0: Welcome to Kick-Ass Radio, hosted by Jo Sainsbury, founder of Kick-Ass Women. Join Jo over the next hour as she shares stories and conversations that are both inspiring and empowering. Having spent over 30 years in the corporate sector, Jo Sainsbury kicked off her heels and became a coal train driver working in the rail and mining industry. It has been her goal ever since to empower and support women who are considering a career change into an industry role, making the transition as smooth as possible. Jo is a walking, talking success story of how taking the plunge into industry can open up a world of opportunity. And you can do it too. If you're a woman working in industry or considering a career change, this is the radio station for you. Let's get into this episode of kick Radio. Hey there,
1: Glowgetters. Welcome to the kick Radio Show. Am I excited for today's show? You bet your kick-ass I am. Today, we are delving into a subject that I'm very passionate about and believe that we all need to grasp any opportunity that presents to advocate and encourage education and career pathways into STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For so this is the pathway for the workforce of the future. In just five years, the workforce will require an additional 65,000 engineers. By 2028, we will need 593,000 new computer scientists, and by 2030, an Institute for the Future Study estimates that 85% of today's learners will occupy jobs that don't even exist yet. So how do we fill such large numbers of high-skilled engineering and technology workforce? It must be by widening the pipeline to include people from backgrounds traditionally underrepresented in STEM fields, women and minorities. Women are changing the world, and so can you. Women are the key to future success in the areas of STEM, and especially in Australia. While often underrepresented in employment, the skills, insights, and talents that they can offer are second to none. You don't have to be an Einstein to enter these rewarding career paths, nor do you have to be male. The world is full of opportunities in STEM for women, and it's only just the beginning. Now, there's no denying that the importance of those working in STEM occupations, in fact, it's nearly impossible to imagine what our world would look like without the advances that have been made in these fields. They've brought us vaccines, they've cured diseases, they've deepened our understanding of the universe and given us tools that make us more connected than ever before. Unfortunately, due to gender biases, fewer role models and male-dominated industries, women have been historically underrepresented in STEM. Now, I'll go on and on about this, but despite common sense and plenty of research showing no cognitive difference between men and women, the myth that women aren't as good at math has broken the confidence of many young girls. It doesn't take long either. So by third grade, approximately the age of eight years old, that misconception is already creating a gap, and by the end of high school, and or the start of uh, university, it's a chasm. Women represent only 21% of engineering majors and just 19% of computer and information science majors. So far too few girls in school are studying science. Even fewer go on to lead science careers. Such deep inequality doesn't happen by chance. It is the result of a wide range of factors, starting with social, cultural and gender norms that influence how girls and boys are brought up how they learn and interact with family, friends, teachers, and the wider community, which shape their identity, behaviour, and choices. So to tackle the STEM crisis, we must first understand it. Now, overcoming this gap is critical. Not only will it help open more opportunities for women currently in the field, but it will also create more role models, help shatter stereotypes, and introduce new talent and fresh perspectives to these fields. So when I think of inspiring women who are making a difference in the STEM world, a few women come to mind, and one phenomenal woman whom I truly admire is Fiona Holstrom, passionate EdTech business owner and lover and co-founder of STEM Punks, wherein her mission is simple, to inspire more girls into STEM. Now, Fiona believes STEM education should be accessible for everyone and believes helping children develop skills in the field of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics Will prepare them for a future where they can make a difference. The owner is also the proud publisher of Future Learning magazine for STEM each month, which goes into over 5,000 plus schools around Australia and overseas. Her customer centric focus enables her to run STEM punks by keeping children at the heart of every business decision made and ensuring children everywhere are inspired to solve tomorrow's world problems today. So, you guessed it. Today on the show, we have the inspirational and amazing co-founder of Punks, Fiona Holstrom, to give us the heads up on what's so intriguing and exciting about working in the STEM industry. You are listening to the Kick-Ass Radio Show Kickstart, where we talk about all things women working in non-traditional roles in varied male-dominated industries, and I tell you how it is. I'm your host, Joe Sainsbury, the Glow Getter. I hope we can keep you in good company over the coming hour. A huge shout out to all the women working out on track and on site today all over the globe. Stay safe and have a fantastic day or night shift. Now, this might also be a good time for a trigger warning that today's radio show does and may contain some adult language. Okay, let's go and get our geek on. Hello, Fiona.
2: Hello, Joe. How are you?
1: i'm well i'm actually um i've been shacking up with rona this week (laughs) i'm in isolation so getting over that yes so that's not good no but a lot better today thank you and welcome to the show so glad to have you on the show and very um very appreciative of you giving up your valuable time to share with us today
2: thank you so much for having me joe
1: Okay, let's kick things off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Fiona, and your career thus so far, and what led you to pursue a career in STEM. Now, like, and what's led you where you are today?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's um. Thank you. That's a great question to kick off with today, Joe. Um, I guess I'll start back a couple of decades or a few decades. Um, yeah. When I was young, when I was eight, my brother was given a computer, and I was told computers aren't for girls, Fiona computers are for girls and I thought why is that well that's a bit strange so when my brother wasn't looking I I went to his computer and learnt to code I taught myself to code and create games and and puzzles and music and all sorts of things and I was really intrigued by technology it was it was so new then and so exciting and so cutting edge that I thought wow you know computers are here to change the world they're here to make our lives better and to, to introduce us to an amazing world ahead so I knew then that my future would include technology, I just didn't know how, because back then, unfortunately for girls, um, we didn't have, you know, people coming into our schools to tell us about careers, we didn't have wonderful role models stepping up to say I'm a pilot or I'm a scientist or I'm a computer programmer and, you know, you can do what I do or I'm an astronaut anything like that. So I had visions of, of flying, of being a pilot, but I never pursued it because I, A, I didn't ask any questions and B I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know any female pilots. I didn't really know any pilots, male or female. Um, And back then, you know, there wasn't people coming into the schools, as I said. So I was interested, but wanted to know a little bit more about it. Didn't really do much research, unfortunately. And then my career took a few kind of non-linear um, journeys through tourism and travel and advertising until finally I had my own children and um, I was researching the best education systems around the world for them and this was back about seven years ago now and STEM kept coming up everywhere. So STEM was in all of these curriculums overseas in the Middle East and the US, North America, um, UK, Europe, everywhere In most developed nations, except Australia, unfortunately, at that point, Um, there were progressive schools, of course, doing STEM, um, but it wasn't part of the national curriculum. So I remember thinking, oh, that's strange. Why, Why don't we have STEM here? And that's kind of how STEM punks was born. So I wanted flexibility of having my own business and being able to look after my children and work from home. And then the business started with coding and robotics classes in my garage um, for after-school classes for children from the local area. And I put an ad in the paper for, you know, kids to come and learn about robots and coding and STEM. And um, the, the day that the ad went out, the class filled up instantly. So I guess at that point it was it was a, a bit of a... There was a niche in the market, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And then, of course, these kids went back to their schools and said, oh, look what I've been doing after school, miss or mister, to their teacher. And then the school started ringing and saying, "Hey, we've heard what you're doing. You know, I've heard about StemPunks. Can you come into our school and, and talk to our kids about it?" So that's a very short version of how I got to where I am today. Um, this and then that's how the school's business took off. So StemPunks traditionally was a face to face in schools business. So that's going back to about 2017, and that's how StemPunks began.
1: So you yourself, though, um, you've got a bachelor of arts, is that correct? Yes. So. Yeah. What did you aspire to do with that originally, rather um, before STEM parks got um, in ingrained and yeah, related?
2: yeah? So originally, I wanted to to write content. I wanted to be a writer, and I knew that there was you know a path ahead in the digital world. There was you know streaming platforms and lots of digital content, online content. So I knew there was a great need for content. In fact, we've never been hungrier for content than mm. the decade that mm. we're in now, with all of the you know the Stan, the Netflix. Hey You mm-hmm. and all of those platforms um, and also con- as consumers we want to see shows that are you know like this we don't want to have to wait for them we want to binge we want to look at look at them on demand so there's a huge need for content writers so I did a bachelor of fine arts and creative writing and then went on to do a, a master's in editing writing and publishing and so I began In stempunks by writing the classes or writing the content for the classes, so my degree kind of came in handy there, but not in the way I expected it to come in handy. Yeah,
1: definitely. So, and congratulations—a most commendable career journey so far, and one which is a very—you should be very proud of. You've accomplished a great deal of success, and you're trailblazing in this industry, which I'm so proud of, and being acknowledged by some of your recent achievements. Like your numerous awards, you should have all stars, you know, twinkling behind you. Uh, it's, it's great to see um, such great recognition. And, um, you know, got Woman of the Year, Business Excellence Awards. There's an Innovation Award. So with those awards, how does that feel to you in regards to success in your career?
2: Yeah, as you said, it's recognition for hard work. You know, right. as a business mm-hmm. owner, you tend to be in your own little bubble and you you do what you do and then you get this recognition and go, okay, that's that's a great acknowledgement of the hard work. But more importantly than that, Joe, the way I see it with these awards is that it's a platform to, to mm-hmm. get the word out there for girls to get into STEM. Um, so if one girl finds out about us and changes her idea about a career path because of what STEM Punks is offering, then our job's done. You know, that's the exciting thing about winning awards is that it's it's a platform for other people to learn about us. So it brings awareness. It brings awareness not just to our business and our programs, more importantly, to girls and what they can achieve in STEM.
1: And that's exactly right. It's it's about credibility, inclusivity, um, diversity, they're critical factors in women pursuing these careers in STEM and the possibilities of what's available once they go through their career and, and then they can step into, you know, entrepreneurship, which, of course, you've done now. So there's lots of possibilities out there and we need that diversity definitely in there. So,
2: Absolutely. You can't have diversity. You can't have innovation without diversity.
1: No, that's correct. So, can you describe the aha moment for you? And we might have, we might have touched on this lightly um, when you did decide to to work in the technology area. Like, so you were talking about um, you wanted a, a good education curriculum for your own children. So, in that process of research, going across and finding um, education curriculum around the around around the world, what was the aha moment? that just particularly was it for yourself to say hey I want this opportunity for my own children is that where it started actually
2: yeah there's there's a couple of answers to that so I guess one of the things the aha moment I guess was when we were contacted by education departments and schools saying you know we need this we need this we need this and then finally it became part of the national curriculum in 2019 in Australia so that was that was I guess affirmation that we were on the right track so that was one aha moment but the other aha moment which is is not as rosy as that was that my I have one daughter and two sons and all the time my boys get asked are you going to grow up and be an engineer but no one asks my daughter that and we're in 2022 and I find that really odd that no one says that to her still are you going to grow up and be an engineer? You know, to a girl, these are the things we should be saying to to girls, you know, and not just what are you going to do or what are you going to be, but for years we've been saying to teachers and to parents, you know, Ask children not what they're going to be or not what they're going to do, but what problem they're going to solve.
1: That's the most important thing
2: because we're trying to raise a generation of problem solvers because STEM is a mindset and it's about problem solving as is engineering. So a lot of people think STEM is a subject and yes, it is a group of subjects, but it's more than that. It's a mindset, you know, and, and with STEM comes all of these tools like robots and drones um, and obviously, all of the skills alongside it, but also 21st century skills, which are so vital for anyone today, even, you know, whether you're getting into STEM or not, 20, and by 21st century skills, um, they're also known as human skills or soft skills sometimes, but I'm talking about things like creativity, collaboration, mm-hmm. communication, empathy, and problem solving. And, and all of those skills are really vital to anyone, no matter what career they're, they're going to be in.
1: And that's and that's true and correct. We need those four C's, which are the most important skills for everyone for the workforce mm. of the future. And it's it's with any societal prejudice, you know, the roots begin to take hold at home. So that's where education for the girls to pursue these these um, education pathways must start at home. So they need the support at home. You need your parents and your family. For the, you know, to support the girls to say, hey, why don't you have a look at, at these, these you know, fantastic career opportunities and um, get it ingrained right from the grassroots at home, definitely. And we do, we need more role models out there for the girls to aspire to look up to and to follow in their pathways.
2: Definitely. There is a um, a famous American children's rights activist, uh, Marion Wright Edelman, who says. If you can see it, you can be hmm. it. And that's really, it's important more so for girls than boys, research suggests. So girls really do need role models for sure, Joe.
1: That's, and that is, and I love that, I love that quote, that saying, and it's so prevalent, and we and we need to use it more often out there in the world. So... Absolutely. Can you recall any time when you question your involvement in STEM because of your gender? Like have you had any role models or mentors yourself to help you out along the way?
2: That's a great question. I was really fortunate enough to um, interview over 30 women for um, my magazine that you mentioned earlier, Future Learning Magazine, for International Women's Day, and they were leaders in STEM from all over the world, and, you know, I can't help but look up to them and what they've achieved and just... I'm, I'm in so much admiration of these women and th- most of them are trailblazers, you know, they're pioneering their sectors or their industries, mm-hmm. they, they might be the first women, woman in their field that's doing what they're doing, you know, there's a, a woman on our board, Dr. Michaela Musilova, who's um, a NASA scientist, she was formerly at the NASA Jet propulsion laboratory she's now the director of the high seas moon base in hawaii she is an accomplished woman with a resume you know that long um, and she's she's a young woman too so she's doing things that that other people aren't doing she's actually called a marsanaut and her job is to train nasa astronauts for simulated missions to live on the moon and mars you know the, there's women like that out there that are just blowing my mind that are doing incredible things and um, and also, you know, as I said, pioneering a new sector, trailblazing, and doing fantastic yeah. things to solve the problems of humanity.
1: And it is, it's, um, you know, when we when I said in the intro, there there are jobs that haven't been even created yet. So you're looking at terminology now. What do we say? A Marsanite, like training Marsenites, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Like that's just it. It seems so unreal and and um, like a make believe world doesn't it when we talk about things like that but um i actually really love alicia carson so she's doing such great phenomenal things in in the aerospace world over in the us isn't she and very young i think she's only 19 or 20 still so she is she's
2: really young she's amazing yes. um if yes. anyone wants to look her up her um her handle is nasa blueberry so up, she's she's aiming to be the first woman on mars i believe
1: It is. That's that's what made me think of her. Yes, she is a very aspiring young girl.
2: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Hats off to people like that.
1: Exactly. So we've talked, you've introduced a little bit to STEMPunks, but can you walk us through some of the fantastic programs and services that STEMPunks offers and how best they can work for not only the youth education, but more so the schools and business organisations in particular, how they can actually incorporate these programs into their organizations
2: yeah sure so stempunks is as i said earlier traditionally we were a face-to-face business before COVID and then COVID came along and we we pivoted, if I'm allowed to say the P word, into an online business model. So, And now we kind of run with a bit of a hybrid model. So in Australia, we're still going into schools doing incursions, which are for those who don't know what an incursion is, it's an excursion, but in the school. So instead of the students going out, we go to the school Mm -hmm. and go to them. Um, So that's the the core business that we run is incursions in schools. And that's either the school contacting us directly to organise an incursion or it's a company that organizes that um, organises us to go in for a community. So it might be somewhere up where you live, Joe. We do a lot of work in the Mackay yep. region for mm-hmm. companies up there, big corporates that are giving back to community through their corporate social responsibility programs or ESG programs. So they're, they're wanting to give back via education to their local schools and children and even employees of their companies. So they have STEM punks come up and run our, our STEM programs um, in their schools and communities or events. Now, some of our programs that you asked about, we do anything from obviously coding and robotics and drones to sustainability is our new program that's really um, taking off at the moment. Yeah. We've also got a very um, good space program that's, that's running as well. Um, in fact, we're going to be doing some space programs overseas or some space camps later that's this year. Um, there's so much we're running on artificial intelligence, machine learning, yeah. IoT, the Internet of Things, Um, Obviously, all the sciences as well and lots of innovation, entrepreneurship and innovation sports as well. So there's a whole raft of programs. I've just touched the surface, but um, rather than go on to too long, um, anything to do with science, technology, engineering and maths, design thinking, um, innovation, entrepreneurship, and
1: so on it goes on and on <laughs> and there is there's and like the, the website explains it beautifully and um there is there's so much on offer through stempunks. and i myself am intrigued by ai and machine learning and that so i actually put myself through a course last year to introduce myself into that realm because my own work industry is leading towards automation. So yes. me as a coal train driver, mm. trains are going automated in the future. Yeah. So I want to be up front and I want to be on top of that and know how to work alongside it. Even though it may not, um, you know, not all jobs are going to be put out by it. But these, uh, the AI and machine learning, all that still needs the humanization beside it to work alongside yeah. with it. So we need yeah. to upskill and we need to retrain ourselves to work alongside this modern technology and the future technology that's coming, and it's coming in quick, very fast. It is,
2: and and I think you touched on this earlier when you said the jobs of the future, 85% Mm. of the jobs that will exist in the year 2030 haven't been invented yet. No. That's only eight years from now. The jobs that will exist then don't exist now. So who knows what jobs we'll be doing, you know, in the next eight to ten years. Mm. We do need to get ready.
0: That's
1: right. The year 2030, that was a major milestone in a, in a lot of McKinsey Global reports that I've, I've read and um, I've, I've researched a lot over the last 12, 18 months, where in 140 million, we're talking million women across the globe, could be displaced by the future workforce. So that is why so many young girls and women need to look to the future and upskill and retrain themselves and the the young girls particularly um steer themselves towards this this technology and stem industrial um world it's Mm, and we know
2: the better
1: that's exactly right and we know they're the experts at it now aren't they like a three-year-old can manage a mobile phone more than me and like i'm technologically challenged at the best of times but It's it's their world. It's they're the experts at it now. So it's something that's you know that they they grow up with now. So why shouldn't they be experts at it in in their own fields in years to come?
2: Absolutely, yeah. The the sooner that we can get them exposed to the whole range of STEM and also the Mm -hmm. design thinking and the the mindset of STEM, the better. Because what you're talking about there with an iPhone or an iPad. Is just a tool, and yes, they're really good at managing the tools. But there's also a whole other mindset well, can, around that.
1: That's right. They they can create the program that you know everyone looks at. The apps they can yeah. code, as you said. They are the brains behind all those things because they have the imagination, don't they? They have the imagination to create all those things.
2: Yeah, definitely. They absolutely know how to use all of those tools too. Mm. When we put virtual reality headsets on kids in schools, we're up in Mackay High School the other day. They know what to do with them. They don't need instructions. They just go for it. It's like they're born with it. So yeah, they, they really are going to be the problem solvers of the future, this next generation.
1: And actually, just getting back to the programs with STEM, a lot of the um, STEM punks programs—they're very hands-on, aren't they? Lots of um, interaction in the activities and creating, like making, making robots, um, making drones. There's lots of hands-on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we we don't just stand on stage and and preach from a textbook it's Mm. all very immersive hands-on you know if we're going to teach physics there's a couple of ways you can teach physics you can give a kid a textbook and say there you go read all about physics or you can introduce them to physics to you know Mm. buy a drone for example so we'll teach them to code the drone to build the drone to fly the drone to break the drone to work out why it's not flying properly and all of that um and design, fix it, thinking,
1: like fault as well,
2: so that they understand mm. the physics and why it's flying straight or it's not flying or it's crashing or not taking off so they can pull it apart put it back together and then code and then the next step is to code it onto a mission to solve a problem so it might be that you have to uh, code this drone build this drone fly this drone and now you have to program it to fly on a mission from point a to a hospital over here to deliver some much needed blood supplies, for example. So they're solving a, a problem as well. And that's something that runs through all of our programs is that, that design thinking, that element about problem solving and real-world problem solving too. So
0: that's what
2: that's the immersive part of it. So they're not just learning about coding in isolation or robotics in isolation, it's the whole, oh. the whole sphere of, of learning outcomes in there as well, which Definitely. is really important. And-
1: it is, and empowering young people to become the change makers through STEM. STEMpunks is a phenomenal global organisation doing that now. So, very much congratulations to STEMpunks. I think it's it's a fantastic um, platform and one that we will definitely always um, make make our um, most of promoting.
2: Mm, thank you yeah we're very proud of the the various mm. programs we've got running all over all around the world now
1: so we're going to take a little break and listen to one of our show sponsors and we'll be back soon
0: hey Glowgetters, have you heard about kick women founded by joe sainsbury kick women is dedicated to empowering and supporting women who are considering a career change into an industry role Visit our brand new website at www.kickasswomen.com.au or follow Kickass Women on Facebook and LinkedIn today to keep up to date with all things Kick-Ass Women and the incredible opportunities and content we have for you. See you there, Glowgetters.
1: Thanks for tuning back in where we're chatting to Fiona Holstrom, co-founder of StemPunks. Now, continuing on our conversation about StemPunks, punks, um, Fiona, and we're talking about the great um, immersive programs that you've got. The YouTube channel has tons of different challenge and informational videos. What do you like most about them? Like I was uh, sc- uh, strolling, or strolling, streaming through them um, during the week in my isolation time. And, um, lots of great, lots of great videos there. So what do you, what do you like most about them and, and how do you guys come up? Um, is that, are they, um, like a byproduct of, of your actual programs that you present at the schools or the activities you hold?
2: Yeah, we've actually um, we've got a, a new platform now, so we don't we don't use the YouTube as much anymore. It's now stempunks.tv is our latest thing oh, okay. to the market, <laughs> which is where you'll find all of those great videos and some more TV show style content as well. Um, and how that all came about, Joe, was as I said earlier, when we were in experiencing COVID, when we were a face to face business, and then we put all of our programs online, which wow. are on Stempunks.com we realised that there was a need for children learning at home, children learning at school who were in isolation, that they needed online content. So that's what started us on the journey of the online platform, um, which was stempunks.com, and now the new platform, stempunks.tv. So all of the content that we're creating is still true to our core, which is you know having STEM, uh, obviously all about STEM education, but having valuable learning outcomes. Everything's li- aligned to the curriculum and linked with industry. So that's the the important core aspects of everything we do, that uh, all of our programs, whether they're online or they're in in person in schools, they all have those fundamental things at the heart of them so that children can still have that high quality education content value and still have um, all of the learning outcomes and everything's aligned to the curriculum and linked with industry about real-world problems. So no matter which platform they're on, whether it's our online learning management system at stempunks.com or the new platform at stempunks.tv, or they're in a classroom and we're face-to-face, it's all still fundamentally the same.
1: And it is. And it's it's just giving them more exposure, I think. Um, and like we, we said before, those um, critical competencies that we all need is the emotional intelligence, the critical thinking, the intercultural awareness, the teamwork, and yeah. to become, as you said, the change makers in their communities. Um, so yeah, lots of great resource out there, and um, very hands on, and that can really actually get the youth involved. Um, and and we need them to um, to use their their intellectual. Prowess more than anything, don't we? Like we need them to be curious is the word I was looking for. That we need them to feed that curiosity and to learn.
2: Yeah, definitely, and children by nature are curious, so they yes. want to. They want to play, and a lot of our hands-on learning is play-based as well. Mm. So they they don't actually realise that you know they're engineering. They're learning. At the end of the day. They're, yeah, they're learning by playing and by doing mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I didn't mention it also that all of our our team that go out and do these these courses are teachers, whether they're online or in person. They're all qualified, registered teachers, so they they understand how to impart this knowledge and how to in, engage the children in this hands-on learning, so that they they walk away at the end of the day with these rich learning outcomes. But they also don't realize, you know, oh, I've just I've just been problem solving, um, and that's actually what engineering is. So if you yeah. stand up at the end of the day and go, you know, this is engineering. A lot of children are quite surprised by that because they don't really know what engineering is. So when you say, you know, this is problem solving, what you're doing is solving problems, they're, they're quite surprised. And it, it actually gets them a lot more engaged too and, and interested in, in um, engineering.
1: And and rightly so when you say that, I think the, that's another old stereotype, isn't it? It's a myth. When we think of engineering, we think of big blueprints. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, but that was that was the actual image, wasn't it? Back in the day, you seen an engineer was with a hard hat on and a big blueprint. So yeah, and a male, right? And that's exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: Mm,
2: Yep. So (laughs) I think there's also some some research that I read recently too, Joe. That. If we don't get girls into engineering or exposed to engineering by the age of eight, it becomes increasingly difficult to get them to follow that as a career path. So as I was saying mm. earlier, the, the, the younger that we can get them engaged in STEM and engineering and problem-solving, the better.
1: That's right. And actually, I've got some figures here. Um, yeah, boys outnumber girls three to one in Year 12 physics classes. Um, in Year 12 advanced maths, there are only 1.9 male enrolments for every female and then it's Australia University, 16% of STEM graduates are women. So we need to really up all those percentages big time, big time. Yeah,
2: we really need that gender, that gap. Yeah. To, we need those ratios to change, <laughs> don't we?
1: Yes, definitely. So getting now into the Future Learning Magazine, it's such a an aesthetically attractive magazine. You do a really great job with that, Fiona. It's it's amazing, and the content that everyone contributes to it, it's supercharged. It's a supercharged resource. Um, so, how often is a magazine produced, and where can our listeners download a copy or subscribe to it? And what yeah. and how do you go about um, getting that content each each time to um, publish that? magazine yeah
2: yeah Uh, well we produce that every quarter and we do that in-house our team sources interviews from people in in stem field so every different issue has a different theme Um, Mm -hmm. the last one that we've put out the most current issue is space and the next issue will be about electric vehicles Um, Mm -hmm. so at the moment we're putting that one together Um, So we just go and find experts from around the world, people that are willing to to share a few minutes to chat about their industry or their invention or their technology um, and and even their role and what they're doing in the world with STEM and how to inspire children. The magazine is, is designed for teachers and parents to inspire children to get into STEM. So we're really proud of it. It's something we started during covid and um, it, was, it was designed as a thought leadership piece. And we've had so many people come to us and say, I love this magazine. I can't wait for it to come out. So it's free to download every um, quarter on our website. You just go to stempunks.com.au and then slash magazine to find the copies. Um, yeah, and it's, it's something that we just love doing. We're really proud of it. And people want to contribute to it, which is fabulous. We're really, really happy about that because it's another way of getting the word out there about STEM.
1: Exactly. And um, as I've said, you cover, um, I know the the last issue was space, there's sustainability, there's science, there's aviation, um, makers, environment, food and sustainability. Um, But one of the particular ones that I liked was back in March last year uh, was the STEMinism, which featured a powerhouse of amazing female role models in the STEM industry. So I highly recommend all the listeners to take the time to get on the STEMpunks website and go through everything that's available online, but specifically download the um, Future Learning magazine and go through them all because they are such great content um, coverage in all of them. And, yes, a very big credit to you, Fiona. It's a great publication. So, yes, you should Thanks be very, very proud fun. of that as well. Yes it's it's and, and like and as we said that's that's today's world we don't flip over pages in a magazine anymore do we we flip over on the click of a button on that's online true. and we can come back to it any time now we don't spill coffee on it or we hope we don't spill coffee <laughs> on it and wreck the page so it's it's a great resource to have online all the time and come back to and I think I think also what I um what I found about it was, that, you know, when I went to school and we were doing projects at school, we had to go to the newsagent to buy the little project packs to get information or look into the encyclopedias. But I think looking at the Future um, Learning magazine, I thought, wow, what a great little information pack for actual for project, like if you were doing a school project all that content is in there in regards to all those fields. So there's lots of, lots of content in there that is very valuable to um, the youth and in, in the education system by far.
2: Yeah, definitely. Lots of free resources in there for teachers and students, You're right.
1: Yep. So our next question is, why is STEM education so important and how best can we strategize, focus, implement and action STEM education in schools? And should this start in the earlier education rather than higher education? And like I myself believe that we we still have to educate the educators at the moment because there's still a lot out there that aren't promoting STEM study in in school.
2: Well, STEM is part of the national curriculum, so it's it's already um, across all of the schools in Australia. The younger we start, the better, I guess. At, at a certain age, I mean. As you say, kids very from a very young age are exposed to technology, but technology is the only part of STEM. You know, it's it's still mm. just a tool. Um, so really, as soon as they can comprehend, we can we can teach them about the mindset that's behind STEM, that problem solving mindset. Um, that's to answer one part of your question, and the other part of your question was around the implementation and the strategi- yeah. strategization in schools. Um, I guess look, the teachers. The teachers are fantastic at what they do. They have such a full workload. Um, We also help with teacher professional developments. That's something that we do in schools for teachers as well and online. I was Um, going to ask the question. Yeah, yeah, to enable them to upskill the kids. Mm. Um, STEM is so vitally important to our future, as we discussed before, you know, that stat about 2030. But um, it's also estimated that 75% of all future jobs will contain some kind of STEM skills or knowledge, So it's not just that all of the the jobs are going to be STEM-based. It's that children will need to have those STEM skills, even if those jobs aren't in traditional STEM Mm. industries. So it could be in the arts, um, you know, which is not a science-based or a technology-based industry, but the arts will be digitising as well. So there's plenty of jobs in other industries that you may not expect to traditional STEM fields, that will need people with those skills. So, the younger that we can get children to embrace the the mindset of STEM and the skill set, the better.
1: And that was a question I was going to ask you, like when I talked about educators being edu- needed to be educated. So, um, all schools have this system in in their curriculum now. Is it actually being implemented by all all schools? Do they have the educators? Have they all been put through this, the education development? So they are actively advocating these this study?
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it is part of the curriculum. So it is part of, of schools and what they teach. I can't speak for every school. I know the schools that have, have obviously come to us, which is a lot of them, and um, they're all, everyone's interested, obviously. There is a need for it. Um, it's just a matter of... of of who we we can get in to see, I guess is the answer to that. But yeah, I can't speak for the education departments and the curriculum department as to to what their plans are there. But it is part of the curriculum.
1: And it's great to see that there is an increasing number of um, schools and organisations that have realised the significance of STEM education and that they've started yeah. to look for solutions that can bring better STEM education into their systems. So and in particular, like STEM punks the um the provision of resource and and education that StemPunks creates is is a great starting platform for them and yeah, will enable.
2: yeah, and I think that you know with the industries particularly the biggest industries here like um, the resources industry, manufacturing, construction, defense space you know even the arts and tourism as well, um, so many of those jobs of the future will require stem skills so. There are so many opportunities for children to be employed in those industries right here with, without having to go and study overseas or work overseas there's plenty of job opportunities here in those fields if they have those skills
1: and that's right and innovation leads to new products and processes that sustain our economy in every industry isn't it like that's that's innovation and science that we need on on every every aspect whether it's residential whether it's commercial whether it's sustainable environment it's 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 part of the future and it's 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 prevalent now so there are many reasons to consider and take on the stem education um, pathway
2: absolutely there's there's so many opportunities joe you know there's there's definitely no need for kids to have to go overseas or to work no. overseas once they leave school um, with the stem that they're getting in school already through the curriculum that's just creating pathways for them to take on roles and, and career path, study paths as well as career paths in those industries.
1: And I know, um, as we said, you know, the schools and businesses and other groups have already started working together to create these programs and improve the student outcomes in STEM, but there's still more work to do together. And there are lots of others who can make important contributions too. So we need everyone to get on board um, and support the STEM education. And coming back, parents, of course, play a critical part in um, in the role of shaping the attitudes of young people and helping them succeed in these areas too.
2: Yeah, and it's it's funny because with the, with parents, they they are all aware, you know, they're mostly all aware about STEM and the importance of it. And going now back to this... our original um, robotics and coding classes in the garage, we had the the classroom set up in the garage, and then we had a waiting room for the parents that was separate. So they could wait there for the kids to finish the classes. But interestingly, all of these parents were in the room with the kids wanting to know, you know all about what they were doing and what they were learning and what the robot could do and how they were coding. So the parents are just as interested as the kids, as, which is great. Yes. So the parents are well aware that, you know, the kids need these skills.
1: And that is, And that's curiosity there, isn't it, as well, for the adults just wanting to know.
2: Yeah, I think we unfortunately lose a little bit of that that sort of, you know, desire to play and learn by playing. As we yeah. get older, you know, when we're mm-hmm. children, it's a natural part of, of growing up is being curious and, and learning by playing. But, yeah, unfortunately, the older, I think the older we get, the more we lose that curiosity.
1: We do, sadly. We definitely do. Mm-hmm. So, Fiona, what advice would you give to girls interested in a career in STEM? What advice would you give to the young women who are, one, curious about STEM? Questioning their STEM-related studies or questioning their STEM-related career?
2: I always say ask questions. If you have an interest in a field, ask questions, whether it's your teacher or your guidance officer, your careers counsellor at your school, your parents, someone you know, if there is someone you know that's in that field, talk to them about it, Um, reach out to people, research, you know, look on LinkedIn for people in the field that you're interested in. If it's something that you're passionate about, follow that passion and find out more information. You know, that's what I didn't do when I was younger and I should have, and I wish I had that time again. But if you're a young woman and you're looking or, or a girl in school and you think, Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to know more about engineering. You know, my, my great auntie Gladys is an engineer, but I don't really know what she does. And I don't really know what it entails reach out to someone who knows, you know, there's plenty of associations and groups that you can join, Um, even as a student, some students can join for free to some of these associations, ask questions, and don't be afraid, do not be afraid, because you'll, you'll regret it down the track if you don't reach out and find out more information, and the sooner you do it, the better too, because it can inform those career choices, those study pathways for, for later on in high school and uni, so get into it, whatever you're interested in, follow that passion and really ask as many questions as you can and don't be afraid.
1: That's great advice. And I've really seen a push to get more girls involved at a younger age, and I think that's really important. It's important that we help the girls understand that this is something that is for them. It's something that can really help their lives, that it's something that they can really have fun doing and enjoying their life as well, their work life. So it's, um, yeah, definitely don't be afraid to ask any questions. So we'll, we'll, we'll flip a bit here. What's your thoughts on women empowerment in the business sector, like the advantages and challenges and opportunities? So you're a successful and prominent businesswoman now in the edtech um, area. What's your thoughts on empowerment for women in the business sector?
2: I think the best thing we can do as women is to help other women so as simple as that if you're in business you know we don't have all the answers we need to surround ourselves with people that do so if you can afford to outsource absolutely outsource again asking questions you know people by nature want to help so if i needed to know something about your industry joe i could pick up the phone and ask you and you'd be oh, happy to help so i think right. we mm-hmm. we try and sometimes take on too much and think we can do it all ourselves and we internalize and insource. but. I think surrounding ourselves with a like-minded community is really valuable. Um, Some of the the groups that I'm uh, a member of, like Women in Technology, are a really great community for finding out more information, for getting connections and networking. Um, Building your network is really important, you know, building social capital as well to grow your network because quite often we don't have the answers, but someone we do know will have those answers. So reaching out empowering other women if there's there's women that you know that need a helping hand or that need a hand up great if you if you can help you should help Um, and I also believe that with giving back as well if you can give back you should give back so whether that's mentoring or or um, giving back to community absolutely we support a a program in Ghana in Africa for girls education over there which is really important to us to to give those girls an opportunity with, um, with digital literacy skills so that's something that's important to us um and going back to your question i just think that we really need to empower other women helping other other women out exactly like what you're doing joe with this radio program by featuring women on there um, and featuring their businesses, that's always helpful. Um, I think there's a saying that's going around the internet at the moment. You know, if you know someone with a business, it doesn't cost you anything to share their business, tag their business, even if you can't afford to buy from their business, but to to give them a shout out, things like that. You know, seems, um, nominating them for awards. There's another yes. way we can empower other women is nominating them for awards like the Oz Award, which I know is where you and I met. Um, So things like that is just knowing other businesswomen and saying, hey, do you want to come along to this event? I think you really benefit from meeting X, Y and Z or hey, this is a community you should get involved with or hey, have you heard about this opportunity or award or grant or collaboration? So always being mindful that there's women around us that have either been in our place or have been there before us and can help us or women that are starting out their journey and that we can help. Um, I think that's really important just to keep that in mind and try and help who we can, but also to ask for help when we need to. Sometimes we're not good at asking for help as as wives and mothers and businesswomen. We just tend to think it's all on me, but it doesn't have
1: to be. Not at all. And I'm I'm fully 100% behind you in that. I think networking is the greatest tool we can all have and women need to be better at supporting women. And I'm a very big one at doing that. And one of my key phrases is paying it forward pays back because it definitely does. And I've learned that firsthand. If you can introduce someone to someone else, that that one connection could open up such a world of opportunity that you have got no idea on until you make that connection. And networking isn't about an exchange. It's about creating an experience. And that's my thought process. So you make connections to create an experience it's not about exchanging a business card directly it's about getting to know that connection getting to know their business getting to know their connections and and as we said one person in their circle can create such an opportunity for yourself so if you're a bit of an introvert networking is like oh it's too scary but you really need to get yourself out there and um And and create those circles of impact is another thing that I like to call them, because they are impactful and they're influential in um in your own in your own confidence, self confidence and empowering others and yourself. So that's great advice. I I think networks I
2: will just add to what you're saying about networking, because I am an introvert Joe, so I find it really terrifying to walk into a room of strangers or to be interviewed or anything like that because I just I really feel the pressure, so networking for me is something that's really difficult. But I know I have to do it as part of my role. So you just have to feel the fear and do it anyway. Most people I speak to just do not like networking, but it is, as you say, it's so valuable. You know, you you're creating connections and you're creating value for other people and introducing people to someone that might change their life. You know that that opportunity might just be that that ticket Mm -hmm. they've been waiting for. So Mm -hmm. your networking is is not always about yourself; it's about what you can do for others. And, And there's quite a few people I. I know, who I call super connectors. They're yeah. the ones at networking that's always like, oh, Fiona, you have to come and meet so-and-so, or so-and-so, you have to come and meet Fiona, and do you know this person? And that's the kind of networking that we should all aspire to is to be is a it? super connector because it's, you know, if you take yourself out of the picture, it's a lot less scary as well.
1: It's like, yeah, being a super bee, isn't it, like going and pollinating every, all the all the flowers, a super queen exactly. bee. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> but, analogy. I like it. It is. <laughs> But I think that's that's been my biggest um, success area. I think I just love the networking area, and I love meeting all these other women and learning about their businesses. But that's what I was going to say. If you're a bit um, skeptical about networking, the number one thing is do a bit of research before you you know you put yourself up for an event. Go and find out who's going to attend, and maybe target a couple of people research them and find a point of commonality and like that's what I've been concentrating on at the moment trying to get across is finding that commonality between a couple of connections and that's your that's your introduction to having a conversation with them go up and introduce yourself and say hey Fiona um I've been interested in STEM can you know can you tell me a little bit more about how you come to be involved in STEM it's they're great conversation starters but do a little bit of research I find and find those little commonality um, points that you can actually start a conversation with, and that's that's where you'll start to to mingle around the room and um, and meet lots of different um, people.
2: Yeah, definitely. Researching is a really good um, point that you've brought up, Joe. Whether mm. you're networking or you're going for a job interview or you're, you know, going to a, a function or an event, researching who you're going to meet or who you might meet is So valuable as well. And sometimes it's critical, particularly with a job interview. If you're not across the company that you're interviewing with, that's not a good start. So yeah, researching is always good, researching people and companies. And it's a great conversation starter as well. If you are a little bit afraid at networking events, it's a, a really easy way to break the ice if you already know something in advance.
1: That's exactly right. So I've got one more question to ask. If you had to go back in time and tell your younger self, what you've achieved now was it possible what would you say to that person that younger person
2: absolutely anything's possible you know don't be afraid just go for it just absolutely go for it and don't have any preconceived notions of rejection or failure or anything like that I I will say something about failure actually since I've just brought that word up as as adults we kind of have this fear of rejection and failure and, and we learn that we're conditioned we learn that from children don't don't have that fear you know they learn how to walk they fall Mm. over a million times they just keep up keep getting up and keep learning wouldn't that be great if we could continue that as adults and not have that fear of failure or that fear of rejection because I think that's what holds us back a lot and we really need to just embrace failure as part of learning it's part of the journey you know the more that you fail the quicker you succeed you know you you need to fail forward fail frequently fail fast because that's the quickest journey to success so Please don't think that failure is a bad thing. Learn to embrace it as a positive.
1: And that's excellent advice. And it is we all learn from failure. And that is how all the successful people in the world have become successful is from their own failure. And we can talk about, you know, Stephen Jobs. We can talk about Richard Branson. All of those great entrepreneurs have all failed before they've succeeded. So they're the lessons that we need to learn from and grow from. Well, Fiona, thank you very much. It's been a great conversation and I'm so glad that we got to to have the conversation today. As I said, very passionate for me about this this topic and particularly getting girls in the STEM um, industry and career pathway. Um, We'll put all your links um, up in the show notes and on our website for anyone wanting to reach out to Fiona and STEM punks. I highly recommend that you get online and have a look. If you're not familiar with STEM punks and what they offer, Definitely do yourself a favor there, and we'll look forward to talking to you a little bit later on in the year again, Fiona, to see how um, SemPunks have progressed and what else they've they've um, introduced.
2: Sure, there'll be lots of new programs to talk to you about, Ben. Joe, you never know. Excellent. Fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, Fiona. Have a great week, and we shall catch up with you later.
2: Wonderful, Joe. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Lovely great. to speak with you.
1: Well, that's it, guys. I hope you've enjoyed our show and our guests. A very big special thank you to Fiona Holstrom of STEMPunks for sharing all that goodness of the STEM industry. Such great, invaluable information. Now, with plenty of in-demand jobs, high pay and the promise of challenge and career progression, nothing's off limits and STEM could may well be the answer to your career goals. If you decide to pursue a career in science, technology, engineering, or mathematics fields, this can be one of the most incredible decisions you ever make. It is the era of innovation and advancement and modernization. So I ask you to encourage your daughters, your sisters, your nieces, and the other young women in your life to pursue their goals. Maybe they'll discover the next breakthrough in cancer treatment, or become a leader in mining and resources, or delve into the worldwide web. So my advice, become a member of the dream team, be a hacker, a hustler or a hipster. It's pretty cool. So thank you very much for giving me your time to share today. If you, um, as always, I appreciate it, as I said, and you can always find more information about this episode or Fiona and Sempunks in the show notes or on the social media pages. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. Well, that's it. That's all for today's show. Thank you for your company and for listening to Kick-Ass Radio. It's not goodbye, but see you later. Stay safe and well. Keep in touch, POSCOMS. And don't forget, go on, get your glow on.
0: Become a glow getter. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Kick-Ass Radio, where we kick goals and deliver empowering conversations for women. Want to hear more from Kick Women and Joe Sainsbury? Visit the Kick Women website or follow Kick Women on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. See you on the next episode of Kick Radio.